Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Cloud9 Podcast, continuing our customer success conversations alive. Today I have Shep Hyken with me, a customer service and experience expert, happens to be the chief amazement officer at Shepherd Presentations, uh, also happens to be a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller author, and I think you've been inducted to the National Speaker Association Hall of Fame, which is, which is a pretty big lifetime accomplishment for, for speaking professionals. So glad to have you on the show, Shep. Hey, Amir, great to be here, man. Thanks so much for having me. So before I get started, I always like to ask uh, my guests to kind of share with uh, the listeners maybe like one random interesting fact about yourself that you might not have mentioned on the show before or they can't find a link. Wow. Um, I, uh, I play, you can see probably the guitars in the background. I play guitar with uh, Eric Clapton and John Mayer on a very regular basis yeah, oh, on, on YouTube every night. I just turn them on and play along with them. <laughs> I'll show you some sales tactics. You can send the video to them. All right. Great. Just join. But, uh, so a lot, has, a lot has changed, and I think you, you have a tremendous amount of experience to share with our, our listeners. But you know, customer experience in 2020, right? Like how to deliver it. Um, clearly, a lot has changed in the world in the last few weeks, right? I think that's no debating that. Uh, you know, what do we need, how do we need to be doing customer success differently in these tough times? Well, first of all, we, I think more important than other, you have to be available. You have to be available right now. So when a customer calls, uh, for example, I would imagine the wait times with support centers are starting to get better because they're recognizing, hey, our customers in times of crisis, they step up the uh, desire to talk to a human being rather than go into a digital channel, some self-service channel using a chat bot, that type of thing. Um, just read some really interesting stats that that number uh, percentage-wise is dramatically increased. And what happened is so many companies weren't ready for that. And you let your customers down. They lose confidence in you. They become frustrated with you. And already, uh, while they appear to be angry because of the crisis, it's not so much that they're angry. They're fearful. They're frustrated. And that manifests itself with impatience and anger. Recognizing that, you have to show a little bit more empathy. So I think uh, what happens in times of difficult times, crisis, any type of difficult time, whatever is good gets magnified. Whatever is bad also gets magnified. So if you're recognized for mediocre at best customer experience, customer service, and I'm not going to name any specific companies, but there's industries that unfortunately are known for not having the best service they're going to look even worse. Yet yeah. companies that are doing it right, they know what to do. They still have the desire. They, regardless of a crisis or not, they don't want to let their customers down. They're going to look even better. It magnifies the personality of the culture and the company that you're doing business with. Yeah, I agree with you. I can name some names, right? I think Amazon, right? They're, 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 they're magnifying what they've done best, I think, in these times. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing uh, what they've been able to do. And, you know, you're going to get criticism. By the way, the critics come out at all times, but especially when there's some, uh, you know, when there's a spotlight on any company, good or bad. And you look at, boy, there's great press that comes out about Amazon. Then the next day, you know, the one of their executives is leaving. That was today's uh, big comment. And then there's another one that says, you know, they're not protecting their people well enough. You know what? I'm going to say that 99% of the companies that are out there that are doing as great a job as they possibly can are going to have some employee or some naysayer say something bad about them, regardless of it being true. It's their truth, not necessarily the reality of the whole situation. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I've experienced some customer support issues lately, which has ma- have made me um, look to other options, particularly smaller banks, right? I think I think some of the bigger banks have been working. Oh, with you had to say banks. Now there's another whole Their waiting lines are insane. Um, frustrates me the most is when they ask me for my debit card number, and I have my debit card in my hand, and I put the number in, and it goes, we don't recognize that number. I'm like, you know, like your automation's not working, clearly. Um, that's just a nightmare scenario that I've been experiencing lately, but it's pretty good for So here, I've got a question for you. How many of those bad experiences do you have to have before you say I'm going to another bank? Well, I've had a whole bad month or two months. Um, so it's, it's, unfortunately, it's too many. I got slapped in the face maybe 20 times. Back 20. You're a glutton for punishment. Yeah, you know, we've been taking it. Um, oof. There's still a wire transfer that's in limbo between city and another, don't they name names that they're just blaming each other. And we're like, can you just return it? Right. And it's like, for some reason, all of this is acceptable right now, but it's not right. And it's It's not acceptable. You know, let me ask you a question. Yeah. I don't care if it's a pandemic or whether it's the best of times. If you go to a hotel room and your room is dirty, you're not coming back. No. Yeah. But sometimes they have that they have that name where it's almost like you just feel like it's uh you you feel like you're not going to get better elsewhere. But then you realize there's a reason why smaller banks are around. It's probably their customer support and service, right? Um, and I just never needed it or experienced it till now. But now it's super important. Um, yeah. They're more and- nimble. They're agile. Um, and and I use that hotel example because one of my uh, People that I work with is with you know has a hotel chain, small hotel chain. They went from ninety two percent occupancy to twenty percent occupancy, and uh, they started cutting everywhere, including the housekeeping staff. And they said, "Don't cut where the customer or the guest notices. Yeah. And if they notice a dirty room, it's going to mentally affect them. They're not coming back." And uh, so I just um, did some research, and I, I, I have to read my own notes, but essentially. This is an amazing stat. I've always read like 80% of customers are willing to switch to another brand after a bad experience. Well, our research, we interviewed over a thousand consumers weighted to the general census of age and geography and gender and income. 96% of customers will leave you for bad experiences. Now, not necessarily the first time, but they will eventually leave. 96%. How can you not be attention, pay attention to this. Um, and if you, in, in the companies that are doing it right, customers are willing to pay more to those companies. 60 plus percent are willing to pay more money to a company that offers a more convenient experience. And if it's about delivery, 90 plus percent of people will pay more for that type of convenience. But general overall convenience, it, it, it trumps even good customer service. Just give them a better process, make it easier. You know, Amir, you call the bank, and if they have, some banks have it, voice recognition. Within 10 words, they can, without ever making a mistake, know it's you. Now, they won't false positive. They will say, too much background noise. Uh, you must have a cold today, <laughs> whatever. They may have to ask you more questions at that point. But this is an incredible technology, which means I don't have to ask you your last four digits of your social security, your mother's maiden name. Uh, your sixth child's middle initial, whatever it is. And then they ask you those questions again. 
Yeah, that's the best part, isn't it? You get good at it because they do keep asking you again and again and again. It's just highly scripted and memorized. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they just go through that to get transferred and ask it again? It's, it's, it's so frustrating. I feel your pain. Yeah, I think some of the banks have gotten better, though, with some of the AI chatbots. Um, yep. I just haven't used them. Maybe it's my fault because it's maybe you're, you know, you're so used to the security and the lockdown that you're like, I probably can't get the answers on a chat, but I have to test that out. Um, I know Bank of America has like a, a new chat in app. Yeah. Try it because the basic questions, did my, did my wire transfer, you can look at it. Did it show up? Uh, did this bill get paid? Did this deposit get made? Those are basic questions that you can ask a chat bot. Now, if you want to get something like if, if, if the wire transfer didn't show up, you probably can't type in why with a question mark and get an answer. You're probably going to need to pick up the phone and call somebody at that point. So let's, let's, let's keep the conversation going, right? When all this passes, um, what do you see as being the big things moving forward for organizations looking to improve their whole customer experiences in the 20s? Like what's the big, the big changes that are going to come from this? Well, I think uh, th this is the coolest question that we love to ask clients. We, we do masterminds with the clients. We ask them, what did you change during COVID-19 pandemic that you're not going to go back the other way? You're going to keep that change permanent. And I think several things have happened. The acceleration of technology and the ability to communicate with clients. By the way, the video we're doing today, whether you're listening to it as an audio or you're watching it as a video, this is going to become standard. You're not just going to pick up and talk to a customer service rep anymore. You may actually see that person face to face. You may call your, your uh, personal banker and instead of actually calling, they're going to send you a Zoom link and give you the option if you want to do video. What happened is what we're doing today with the millions and millions of people that never use video technology before, they're now using it. This is an acceleration of something that would have probably been here four or five years from now, had it not been for this. We were just forced into using it quicker mm -hmm. as opposed to ramping up to it the way it was probably going to happen without this pandemic. I agree. I've been using Zoom and, and video meetings for five years. I'm an early adopter. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, many people are, but a lot of people weren't. The majority of people weren't. People had never heard of Zoom before. And mm -hmm. now look at what they're doing. You know, grandparents, I love this. Why didn't I have this a year ago? You did. You had it. Five years ago, you just didn't choose to use it. Well, clearly we're talking about people being on video, right? And, and employees are, are needed. You know, clearly people are a massive part of all these things we're talking about. What are tips for, you know, hiring the best teams that, you know, might be video facing, right? Is there, is there anything that's changed with how people should hire? Wow. That's it. That you're the first person to ask me about how, how the whole video concept works. I think what's going to force um, good people, a sales team specifically, have to have the ability to communicate. They've always had to have that ability. The, uh, the ability to communicate, communicate people to people, person to person, in person, has always been good. The beautiful thing about video now is I may not, in every situation that normally I would have flown down to where you are in Miami mm -hmm. uh, to see you, I might be able to do it via video. And if I do it right, it's going to be just as powerful. A friend of mine about three or four years ago came up with this concept of screen-to-screen -screen selling, basically doing what we're doing today, but in a sales mode, not just a communication or, or a podcast. And he was just a little ahead of his time. Right now, he'd be the hottest guy out there speaking, if they, if you, if they do speak, because this is how you have to communicate. 
So um, I think you're going to have to have people that are um, willing to put forth their best communication skills, adapt to the technology, be able to communicate and connect beyond the screen. So, for example, um, I might want to take, I, I'm going to really do a hybrid of the technology skill of this, combine it with some personal skill, like maybe writing a, a personal note or sending a, a very personalized email, getting to know you and being able to exploit that in other modes other than this technology that we're dealing with today uh, with video. So that's important. It is going to be the company that figures out the balance between technology and the, the human-to-human experience that's going to win this. Uh, you can't, I'll give you an example. You go into the grocery store. This is such, I always try to create pictures and stories and simple examples. If you go into the grocery store today, a typical grocery store has self-service checkout now. There is always somebody standing nearby, an employee, to help you when whatever the item is you can't scan, you know, they, they give you the help. You still will go, some people will still rather stand in line with the cashier because they have the big, uh, you know, huge basket of groceries. But the point is they've managed to make this balance between human to human and digital. Companies need to do the same thing. Don't become so enamored with the technology that you lose the human to human connection. A company that says we're never going to have another customer event again everything's going to go digital and virtual. It's making a big mistake because there's a lot of, uh, granted, in between that big event, do virtual. But lead up to something that's big because people still like to, to, for lack of a better term, pump the flesh, meet people, look them right in the eye, feel the body language. That there's there's definitely here. a rebalancing, right? It's not yeah. going from all in person to, to all virtual. It's that like the equilibrium. Where is it going to reset, right? I agree. Right. 100%. And one thing to bring up is that those um, those kiosks, they're, they're maybe also missing video, right? Because they can also have a video person um, and not a physical. They don't have that. It's, it's either a person or a machine, right? There's no in between. One of the things I've noticed that I experienced was um, renting cars. There were some kiosks that you can just walk up to with a live video. And I'm not sure if you've ever seen this. I thought it was a great idea, um, but you were able to rent your car right from a kiosk with a person at home that would answer the call. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, cars, you know, uh, rental car places probably aren't doing so well right now in this in current environment. They, they adopted that technology. Have you ever seen that in the past? I've seen video being used, yeah, for the video kiosk to rent the car. In some cases, they'll actually show you the car that you're going to get so that you know what you're getting and get to choose. And I think there's lots of different ways to use it. Um, the, the whole concept of using video to sell to, or technology to check somebody in, to make a reservation, this is, this has all been out there for a while. It's just people are adapting and adopting it more and more. Okay. Well, you know, this is, you've been helping companies for years now build their CX team, support their teams, right? You know, how, how can, how can you most effectively manage your team, especially now that some of them are remote, you know, what do you need to be doing? If you're a head of customer success, director of ops, chief customer officer, what's, what do you need to be doing differently today um, than in the past? And what have you, what have you advised? Sure. Well, some people are already uh, coming into this. They were already remote. They know how to do this. Part of the reason um, people want to um, struggle with, they struggle with remote is because they lose that, that connection they lose. It's, there's this camaraderie and being part of a bigger team. 
one of the things that we're seeing, and, and I'm not sure if the answer is two or three. Personally, I like three, but they, they whoever they are, are when we, they look at surveys, they say they like management, supervisors, leaders to connect with their team in the morning and in the afternoon. And some say they want a third time in the middle of the day. And it's a split decision almost, should it be two or three times. But what that allows to do, even with a five or 10 minute meeting, it allows the teams to connect. Oftentimes, imagine this, if, if in normal times, if they're in their regular environment, they're probably not having these three focused meetings every day. They might have a kickoff meeting in the morning and that's it. So even when they're working remotely, there's a pretty good chance the connection might even be stronger as, a, as it is to connecting as a team than if they were working in their support center or in their offices and only meeting maybe once in the morning, if that. I agree. I agree. Are you a fan of uh, Slack? Uh, what's your, what's your go-to communication? Uh, you know, uh, we are using uh, the Microsoft uh, Teams for just internal communication, but I'll tell you, I'm a creature of habit. <laughs> I just say, you know what? I'm not going to wait for a response. I just take out my phone and I go, I don't want to say it too loud because she'll answer. I'll go, Siri, call my assistant. And, and she does, and, we, and I just have it on speakerphone, and we just talk. Um, but uh, oftentimes, if I really want to connect, like there's somebody in my office who uh, are on our team that does a lot of video and graphics, I'll just simply do a Zoom invite, and it pops up in her inbox. Next thing you know, she's sharing her screen, I'm sharing my screen, and it's a wonderful way to communicate. Makes a lot of sense. Where do you see quality assurance and coaching um, have a place? Do you find that organizations that are investing in quality assurance and coaching are um, winning when it comes to customer support and others that are just kind of turning a blind eye and, and, and having maybe the manpower, but just not the, the quality? So there's, those are, uh, they're almost two separate topics. First of all, quality assurance as it applies to service means a consistent and predictable experience. How you coach your people and train your people to get there is another story. So the consistency and predictability comes, first of all, by creating a guideline. And we love to create guidelines, not hard, fast rules. We want to teach our people how far they can go before they cross the line in the sand. In other words, we want our um, support people, salespeople, whoever is dealing with the customer, to know they're allowed to do whatever they allow. They don't have to keep going back to their manager and asking permission. So we empower them. If we've hired good people that are smart people, we train them right, we train them where to go, they can get there. We want creative people that can get to a solution. Some of these solutions are, you know, step by step, but some of them, you've got to get creative. Uh, a quick little story. I was on vacation with my wife. We ran into another couple. Uh, we decided to have breakfast the next morning. We get to the restaurant. The only tables that are available are two tops, but they're spread apart by maybe just enough space where we can walk between them. We say, hey, do you mind if we push these two tables together? And you know that that wasn't the server, it was the hostess. She said, hold on. She went to go ask her manager if it was okay to push two tables together. And I kind of like, this is the antithesis of empowerment. So next day, we agree to come back for breakfast. Same exact scenario, same girl. And I say, do you mind if we push these two tables together again like we did yesterday? And she goes and asks her manager if it's okay to do it. 
So you've got to hire good people with a good sense and then train them properly. And by the way, you don't train them once, you train them again and again and again. Training isn't something you did, it's something you do. Onboarding is something you did. But if you want to keep on what they've learned onboarding to be part of what they do day in and day out, because, oh yeah, we're going to put you through two weeks of onboarding, which includes extensive customer service, technical training, and whatever. And you know what? Three months from now, they're going to, they need to have refreshers. I'm going to ask you a question here. Uh, you, you know, it's very simple. You're in an office building. You come to work. And the first day you're there, they say, by the way, let me take you through the fire drill. We'll show you the fire drill. This is what happens when there's a fire. Go down here, make a left. Go. This is where you go stand. Great. The fire doesn't happen for four years. Are you going to remember where to go? No, of course not. Which is why maybe once a year, maybe once every six months, you should take people on a short fire drill just to make sure that people remember. Same thing in training. I agree with you. I, 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 for me, I see this all the time. It's, it's not one and done. It's a, it's a continuous culture. It's continually yep. making small changes, right? Because at the same time, you know, back to your fire example, there could be a new couch blocking, you know, you might have to go around something that's changed, right? So the landscape changes, but we, we teach them on one thing and then expect it to be the same in four years. That's just not how it works. Um, but I guess the companies that get it are the ones that succeed, right? And, and they're the ones that right. thrive post-epidemic post, uh, time. The ones that get it, number one, the leadership believes in it. Number two, they pushed it to everybody. It becomes cultural. Customer success, as you call it, customer service, customer experience, is not a department. It is a philosophy that's ingrained in the entire organization. Jeff, this has been this has been great, and I know that you spend most of your career helping leaders um, build the best teams, right? And and work on that continuous coaching and and program. So for for any top chief customer success officer or any aspiring leader that wants to reach out to you, learn more about um, how your services work, or just pick your brain and have a friendly conversation, how would they reach you? What's just the best for you? go to hyken.com, h-y-k-e-n.com, and. And you've got my phone number. You can leave a message. I promise I get back to you. We're good at that. That's what we do. We practice what we preach. And then you call Siri and say, hey, Siri, you know, call this person back, right? Exactly. But Jeff, this has been great. I think we're going to, you know, I'd love to have another conversation with you. In yeah. A months from now when we see the changes and talk about what's been happening. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, really happy to have you as a guest on the Cloud9 podcast, man. Thanks again for coming. Thank, well, thanks for having me. Can't wait to come back. Likewise.